Welcome to Sounds Like, the podcast brought to you by the horse's mouth. We explore how brands connect with their audiences through audio, hosting conversations between industry leaders and creators who have consistently forged authentic relationships with their clients and communities. No fluff, no filter, straight from the horse's mouth. I'm Mike Benson, and this is the first episode in our series, the music business episode, how to build community and culture in the music industry. Today, I am delighted to have a conversation with two heavyweights in the music industry and old friends, Morris Bernstein and Jules Brooks. Morris is CEO and co-founder of Giant Step in New York, which began as an underground club and um, morphed into a legendary record label and is now an award-winning marketing and strategy agency that creates concepts and experiences for brands such as Samsung, Absolute, Levi's, Intel and Marriott around music and culture. He's calling in today from New York. Welcome, Morris. Hello. Hi. And also with us today to join in the conversation is Jules Brooks, working out of London um, as the Managing Director of Point Blank Music School. He says, a.k.a. Head Provider, a.k.a. Vice Chancellor. That's right. That's right. Big me up. <laughs> Big me up good and proper. Absolutely. Point Blank Music School occupies a space where the professional music scene meets the higher education sector to bring forth the next generation of talent, introduces students from diverse backgrounds to careers in the music industry and qualifies them up to degree level and I'd also have to add that in a previous successful career Jules was co-founding member of six and lead singer would we say lead singer on some of it yeah I, I was lead on some co-lead singer co-lead singer of successful band raw stylist suffice to say both of these outstanding gentlemen have successfully nurtured community and used the universal language of music to connect with their audiences through entertainment, through education and communication for many years. Guys, thanks so much for joining today for this cosy little transatlantic chit chat. <laughs> it's <a> pleasure. <laughs> You've both worked in the world of music. You've connected with audiences and fans for, dare I say, over three decades. What are your experiences of nurturing and growing communities through the work that you do? Morris, should we start with you? I think it's important to always have your North Star. And your North Star will then be the thing that's going to attract other people. So um, in order to really nurture and, and build a community, you have to have something to build upon that people can connect to. So I think that is the most important foundation first, and then everything else will then come from that because you have to have something that's going to attract people and make it different to other communities. Sure. And with, with Giant Step, what has that North Star been? Has it been one thing or has it shifted throughout time? Well, it, it's interesting because, I mean, we're, we're celebrating our 30th anniversary this year and, um, Obviously, the company has um, has evolved and changed, as, as you mentioned in, you know, in the introduction. But a lot of this stuff has also remained. The philosophy has remained the same, that being uh, championing great music and culture, 
trying to, you know, work outside of the norms and the box, plow a, a unique and different path and bring together a lot of different genres and types of, you know, people and sounds. So um, we've continued to do that. It, it's just really about creating that unique voice and, yeah. and staying with it in whatever you do. Some of the artists that you've that you've marketed, like Daft Punk, Massive Attack, Amy Winehouse, Lady Gaga, you know, these are huge brands and bands in themselves. And I imagine they come along with their own communities, too. But when you're introducing them to your community, this is a, a whole new sound, right? Well, no. Um, when I started working with those artists, they pretty much had no community. Um, so we were um, involved with helping to launch these artists, especially in the United States. Um, so we had to find those kindred spirits in order to connect the dots and then help grow a foundation base and, and take it to the next level from there. Uh, so it's really about looking at the brand that you're going to work with, whether it's an artist or, or a product, and see how you're going to authentically make the connections with the right communities. We were lucky in the fact that we built our own unique community um, in Giant Step uh, through our through our club and then through our record label, and we were able to tap into that. But it, you know, you, you also need to go broader as well. Sure. And Jules, in your experience of growing community, either through fans with your band or or growing, you know, the community for your for Point Blank as an independent school, you know, what have your experiences been? What have your successes been? How have you found these things coming about? I think um, if you go back to around 2006, seven, I would say that was the period where we started to take the social media a bit more seriously. We had a rival at the time. We're a music production and DJ school. And um, we had a rival at the time who was set up on a foundation of social media marketing. So they put a lot of stock in that, recognised the value of gaining an audience right from the get-go. And we had started as a, a kind of a recording school and um, having a competition always engenders a better quality. So, you know, it, it kind of got a... We, we thought, we're as good as these guys, but where's our audience? So we started looking at the various platforms that were available then. So you've got YouTube, Facebook with the principal ones, Twitter coming up after it. And we started working with the platforms, understanding what the content means and how to service our audience, providing regular quality content that would appeal to our specific audience. It's quite niche. You're talking about a lot of tutorials and yes, there's masterclasses and there's interviews and things of that nature. But um, we found that our product match really well with say a YouTube where you're showing short videos. You can give a little insight into the experience that they'd get at the school. And, um, you know, we went through the whole journey thinking, right, we're putting all this free noise out, what's next? Then we monetized it. Um, that's still not the main spur behind why we, we've done it. But we've got, um, say, half a million. I think we've got four, 400, 450K subscribers on YouTube. 
and those are people that are fairly concentrated and uh that you know it's like the kernel of 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 the sort of person we're looking for they want to learn how to produce music so we've got a really concentrated core of ambassadors there and that's your social media and just out of interest was you know were soundcloud or mixcloud or any of the the music sharing uh, platforms were they part of that strategy as well they've come later and that that we're now uh across yeah youtube facebook twitter instagram soundcloud and dare i say it and i'm excited about this at the moment recognizing tiktok for the value that that brings to the uh table as well controversial i, I love tiktok yeah you know, there's so many achievements that um, Point Blank has made. You've become, you know, recognised as best independent university in the Uni Awards 2018. You've got a huge percentage of student satisfaction. You're getting recognised by DJ Mag for best music production in DJ school. The community that you find online surely can't compare to the community that you have coming through your school and having, you know, your actual students, alumni, teachers, and, you know, producers that come through? Well, there's a lot of nuances here because we do have an online school as well. And with the COVID pandemic, we've also had to kind of move to a, a blended form of delivery for the on-campus stuff too. So we've got half the students in the classroom for the on-campus delivery and half watching online, and then they rotate. So the reason I'm bringing this up is that the whole experience that we've come out of 2020 with is leading much more down the online pathway anyway. So is there a difference between taking a BA Honours degree course online or in this blended learning environment and becoming a fan of our YouTube channel and watching random videos. And yes, there is, but the connection is we lead people to the longer, more thought out qualifications as a result of allowing them the taster you know we give a lot of stuff away and they have a great time you want to learn sidechain compression just go on the channel it'll put it in and it'll come up you'll ha you'll be able to learn it but you won't get a BA ons qualification at the end of a three-year period so people still want that they want to be a student they want to come out with a qualification and having spent time and money on something that they can get their teeth into in addition to learning all the practical techniques. Sure, and that actually, it, it connects very well to this, the, the, all, almost like it, what's the difference between a customer and a, you know, how do you get somebody to go from being a customer or a guest or a visitor or a student to being part of a community? What are the threads that bring people in either to the school or Morris with your, you know, communities that you're building for either for brands or for giant steps? Creating engagement. And um, there are multiple ways to do that. There's uh, in-person engagement, and then obviously there's digital engagement through content and also social media. So it's really about creating a sticky and viral, compelling, authentic communications that bring people together. These two words, authentic communications, seems to be so important now in today's, particularly in today's online, isolated 
setup that we have in 2020, finding, you know, honesty, empathy, um, and authenticity are have become more important than ever as we're not able to see each other face to face. How do you, how do you generate that? To be honest with you, we're not really doing anything any different to what we've always been doing. Um, we, we've never really followed the zeitgeist, and I have a very very low BS tolerance. So we're just kind of being the same as we always were. I just think other companies or brands need uh, now coming to that same conclusion because they realize uh, people want honesty you know they want to, they want you to tell it as it is because you know it it's hard to uh it's hard hard to polish as i say the turd these days you know morris do do you find that you have different approaches for that you work with a lot of different brands on different campaigns do you change your approach for different products and audiences yeah i mean if it's a global campaign then you see that various social medias work better in different regions obviously it really depends on what the brand is trying to achieve and then you you build your your campaign around that so it's really different but again you know we we approach it with the same lens where it has to be authentic it has to be compelling and and unique because there's more than nobody needs any more social media content out there there's already enough it's like nobody really needs more music you know, there's more than enough music. You just got to go. Through. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. No, unless it, no, it, it, unless it's good, unless it's compelling. We need more good music. That's what we need. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But we don't need more just like mediocre content. We don't need in whatever format that is. So. I think what you're saying about um, you guys, what you're saying about the authenticity of the content translates for us to who we're using because we're in the unique position of nurturing the same campaign over quite a long time, longer than I care to remember. So we're sort of we're moving with the current trends in music, but the way we're putting them out there it's the same you know we're doing competitions we're offering stems for remix getting people involved getting them created that sticky thing that you were talking about for us you know there's certain things that work best they prefer a tutorial that's on an up-to-date piece of software obviously to what was happening last year so that's our currency that's how we keep ahead of the game we've got relationships with the manufacturers so we get the uh you know, the new products and software versions before the general populace, so we can do videos about them. And what we're doing by showing that is that we're showing that we've got authenticity in the school, that we do know what's happening, that we're not like a traditional university walking around with corduroy jackets with leather arm patches and whatever it else, you know, whatever it was that we went through in our university experience. Sure. And the other thing it sounds like, which is massive for you guys, is when you engage with people, you're not just communicating at them. They get to interact with whatever it is you're offering them. So, they, you know, the more somebody does something, the more engaged they become with your brand. And then they can find new ways to connect and and gain something from it and have a sense of achievement. Yeah, you're actually right, because, um, you know, when we're doing campaigns, you know, like we'll sit there and you'll look at it you know, buying media uh, within your digital campaign and, the you know, the brand say, well, how many engagements are we going to get? 
it's not about how many engagements, uh, sorry, how many, how many impressions you get, how many people you reach. It's about the actual engagement, people interacting, genuinely interacting, people posting comments, talking about it, sharing. These are the, 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 the benchmarks that we look for, not impressions because that's bs anybody can fudge that these days so how does giant step manage in the year 2020 you know uh, having so much um such a foothold in producing live events obviously that's been either curtailed or or certainly reduced a huge amount what are what are some of the things that giant steps up to at the moment while their lack of live events as you said we started off putting on concerts and um, and doing clubs, but we've evolved and changed into a marketing agency. Um, so strategy is a big part of what we do. And the live events became a lot less, um, you know, but in saying that, you know, for example, we just did a um, virtual premiere for um, Bloomhouse and uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, and there was, uh, there was a live component in that, the virtual live component. And we had talent do stuff, um, you know, virtually. Uh, so it, it worked out quite well. But, you know, as far as where we're going as an agency, it's really about how music and culture can work in telling your brand story authentically to your existing consumer base or to attract uh, a bigger consumer base. Uh, so as far as what we're what we're up to at the moment as a brand, so um, timing was quite interesting because we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. And um, I've never really taken the time to look back at 30 years of Giant Step. Uh, I've always had the philosophy of we're all about what is next, not what right. we did. Um, but with the fact that, you know, we had a pause with, with COVID, I actually took the time to look at our history and I've spent time digitizing it. We're about to launch a website. Uh, well, we're, re we're relaunching our Giant Step website, which shows who we are as a company today. But we've also um, digitized a lot of um, old DJ sets from 20, 30 years ago. Um, every flyer, so every show we've ever done has now been uh, digitized. Uh, so, so that's been good. And also, and, and, you know, and I actually, for the first time, put a discography together of our record label. I'd actually forgotten how many records we've put out. Um, so that, that's what's interesting. But also uh, the other thing we're doing as, as an agency is really looking at unique ways of music helping to tell that brand story. So we've come up with some very, very interesting um, uh, ways to do that that we're talking to brands about so it's the exciting times sure and you, you guys have also you've you've been doing some exciting interviews on igtv i've seen a couple of them so th that was really um just for me to get used to um doing ig live because i'd never done it before uh because with our 30th anniversary i'm going to be doing a few of those and i just didn't want it to be um you know I wanted to at least get that under my belt. And we also launched a podcast as well called Disinfect. And that's where we go into an in-depth uh, analysis of some of the worst songs ever recorded. I felt that there was enough about great music, but nobody talks about the worst songs. And what it says to us culturally as well, I think they, they have as an important place in our musical um, you know, lexicon as the best music too.
we the first season was on covers so um we launched with um Paul Young's absolutely terrible cover of uh, Joy Division's Love Will Tear Us Apart. And we did uh, Madonna's um, terrible cover of Don McLean's American Pie. We've managed to get people like Moby and um, Arthur Baker and William Orbit and people like that to contribute as well. And it's like I said, it's interesting getting a just thinking about where those songs sit within our cultural lexicon as well. For sure. Jules, for, on, on your side, like keeping the culture and connection going through this weird COVID period, you know, much as we're hearing about uh, Morrison innovating your way through um, a crazy time, um, you guys have ignited and reinvigorated so many careers in the industry. You know, I know that you've, you've got into this FECAP category recently, which has kind of been a bit of a game changer for the school anything else that you've been working through i know you did mention earlier about the um, online and the blended learning the obvious uh, problem with the lockdown was people not being able to attend in person and the obvious advantage to us is that we've been running an online school since 2007 so for us it was a question of transferring people put very simply transferring them online so the question was not, can we do it? It was convincing the students that they would get a decent experience. So I think some of the innovations that we've had to make have been to ensure that we give them as much fun and as much of a great student experience online or virtually as if lockdown hadn't happened. I mean, nobody wanted lockdown, so you don't want to have that take a toll on the students more than it has to. For us, we've got four intakes a year, so it wasn't like we just closed down and said, see you next September. We had the hope of the next intake for them to join in. Basically, our message was, this could go on for a very long time. Let's not just sit at home and get depressed. Let's get out and do as much as we can under the circumstances. So what we did was we offered virtually all the stuff that they would have got in the college. So, for example, well-being counselling is like quite a big one. We've got a well-being counsellor at the school, so we made him available online, and it's been more popular online than it was face-to-face. Uh, with attending lectures, where we had to convince people that the lecture's going to be a good learning experience for you, you're going to be able to learn how to make beats and all the normal stuff, um, they found that it's so convenient, they actually now want to do the lecture part online because they can just be in their bedroom, they've got their laptop, it's kind of easier, they don't have to hit the tube, they don't have to commute. And that part of it we've discovered is actually the most easily delivered thing, the learning. It's all the stuff around it that the challenge comes in. So guest lecturers. Yeah, you can have a guest lecturer online, you can ask him questions, but people feel a lack, you know, they want to meet the guy in person. So that's a, an obstacle we're, we're trying to get over. So you can have, use the various social media platforms to try and, get more of a a two-way engagement going. Yeah, interviews with, you know, big name artists, things like that. It would all be better if they were able to come in, but we hit a wider audience with having it all online. 
it's a bit of one and half a dozen of the other. It's not so bad. We've learned loads of stuff. We've made our systems a lot better. Lots of the students are opting for the virtual version of the lectures. And the next thing we're working on is um, when you were a student, guys, what, 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 what were you, why were you a student? What were you most into? having long holidays what about you mike yeah meeting people learning new stuff hanging out discovering yourself and you know having a bit of a riot you know it's a very independent time as you know 18 to 21 or whatever it's that bit where you start becoming who you are you certainly didn't go to uni to sit in your bedroom learning did you and Not uh time no that's the <laughs> virtual reality yes. that we're facing so what they're missing is that networking and we're redacting a lot of uh, obvious things that you enjoyed about going to university for in your social life. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the main driver. You want to grow as a person. You've left school. You want to learn stuff, but you want to have fun. So those are the challenges moving forward, however long it lasts. I don't think we'll ever go back, as everyone's saying, it's becoming a cliche. We'll never go back exactly to what we were before but maybe that's a good thing because lots of lots of good shit's happened this year but what's interesting about this generation compared to us uh is they are used to uh communicating with their network their friends virtually anyway i mean the amount of times i've seen my kids in the same room as their friends and communicating with them through uh social media so it's, I mean, it's affected, obviously this has affected people in a lot of ways, but um, I think at least um, this generation have the, the tools and the experience to virtually stay in contact with their friends without actually feeling isolated. I think the human connection is the part you were talking about, Jules, and, and to a certain extent, the human connection that our generation might expect um, to be in person I think a younger generation right now is more prepared to be doing that virtually and online anyway. Yes. My generation, in my day. <laughs> exactly, my, in my day, day. We only had a telephone. We had to ring them up and that was that. I'm Mike Benson and today I'm excited and delighted to have a conversation with two heavyweights of the music industry and old friends, Morris Bernstein and Jules Brooks. Moving on a, a little bit from the culture and, you know, in the community, building the, the community and the culture. Morris, maybe you can talk a bit about, you know, some of these inspirational influences, um, the storytellers and, the, you know, the, the, the great inspiring influences in your life. I think I'm inspired by people who have gone against the grain, uh, created their own path. And 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 become successful doing it that way. Um, I, you know, I've I, for for my benefit and my uh, <laughs> and disadvantage sometimes. I, I've always tried to plow my own path. So, you know, I you know, for me, it's somebody like Miles Davis who created his own voice uh, and multiple times re reinvented his music career and led each time he did that. So that's something that I really admire, you know, not resting on your laurels, uh, you know. Um, another person who is a big influence on me just by the fact that, um, you know, 
creating success, staying with success, and being ruthless with success is uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, uh, the, who was a longtime manager of Manchester United. Harvard actually do a business course with him just on his management skills, which can be used for anything. So, um, again, it's not always around music who, who you look at. It's just people who created their own paths, made their own voice and and become successful from that. Sure. And so if you could have a conversation with anyone, living or dead, past or present, historical, um, who would you choose to have a chat with and what would you want to talk about? I would very much enjoy meeting Yuval Noah Harari, the eminent author who wrote Sapiens. He's written a few other books as well since, and they're all good. Homo Deus, yeah. Homo Deus, and uh, <laughs> 21 questions for the, tw- the 21st century. I think there might be another yeah. one out. But the guy is just an observer. What I love about him is his dispassionate observation. It's scientific in its kind of alienation. It's like he's a guy sitting on the moon, observing us, observing the planet, observing our animal species, which is what we are. Morris, can I put you on the spot? I would take advantage of meeting someone who's dead. Obviously, there's thousands of people I'd like to talk to who are dead. Um, But I think if I was to pick one, it would probably be Leonardo da Vinci and really just sit down and try and get into the mind of somebody like that. Because obviously the guy was an absolute genius. And... um, you know, from art to science to invention to everything. I mean, so just trying to pick that guy's brain for however long you'd let me talk to him would just be uh, just so unique yep. and valuable. With with a good translator. Oh, no, well, I would be able to speak. Uh, he would speak English perfectly because he's a genius, so I wouldn't need the translator. Okay, if you're going dead, <laughs> I have to throw some in. I want to meet Moses. I want to meet Jesus. I want to meet Oliver Cromwell. I, <laughs> what would you chat with Cromwell about? I would just, because I studied that at A-level, I'd love to know what was going on during the interregnum. Get it from the horse's mouth. Exactly. That's what you need to hear from the horse's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> we obviously believe in the power of audio um, to connect the brands with their fans. And are, are you guys listening to any podcasts you guys are listening to at the moment that you find that are really connecting with you? Apart from the Disinfect podcast, of course. <laughs> yeah, I love podcasts, but, uh, you know, what am I listening to? I, I like Joe Rogan. I like Below the Belt. I listen to a lot of combat stuff. You know, I like that. I like the banter. I like Ariel Helwani. I listen to him, the famous Jewish MMA journalist. And I do dip into Sam Harris. I find that okay. the guests are quite, you know, diverse and interesting. He's uh, a kind of wellness meditation guy, right? Yeah, and he's a bit... Philosopher. Yeah, kind of a philosophy. He's quite political, but um, I don't agree with his whole, you know, uh, 360 of what his opinions are. But I like the way he discusses things. He's into giving platforms to different people and letting them say their piece and then debating in a sort of 
constructive way and i i think that's something that's lacking in uh the current climate you that's one of the bad sides of social media you know if you get involved in the comments i don't think anyone ever solved the debate on facebook did they i mean it just seems to be a you know five comments and you're talking about hatred and nazis and god knows what so i don't like debating on social media but i don't mind listening to people that know their subject on a good podcast. Absolutely, yes. I, I know what you're saying. Um, com- uh, debates or disagreements can escalate pretty quickly on written social media. How about you, Morris? Are you, what are you listening to at the moment? I like uh, Mark Maron. I like his podcast. I find that very, very amusing. Um, a big influence for uh, my Disinfect podcast was the uh, series Dissect, I listen to a lot of music podcasts. I'm a I'm a like a, a music history junkie, and I love hearing from the horse's mouth. So uh, there's Bob Lefsetz, who's a, an American uh, music journalist. He has a lot of great guests. Um, I like um, uh, Here's the Thing, which is uh, Alec Baldwin's podcast, where he has a lot of great guests. Uh, the New Yorker Radio Hour. Um, which um, has, you know, like a lot of sort of great arts from music to um, literature. There's a, an amazing uh, podcast series, and for some reason the name is just slipping out, but it's all about the 9-11, uh, the build-up to 9-11, an in-depth look at that and how that happened. That's incredible for some reason. Like I said, I'm, I'm forgetting the name of it. That's a pretty good list. You ought to get yourself a nice dog to walk. Guys, 60 seconds to plug your latest projects and if and if not anything else that tickles your fancy to tell us about that we should be paying attention to right now as i was saying earlier we're doing some very exciting things around how music tells a story for a brand uh, so we're very excited about that um obviously uh our 30th anniversary launch um is exciting because for the first time we digitized um not everything, because it's just too much to do that, but a good part of our story. And then Where I... Where will we find that? Is uh, that giantstep.net. Giantstep.net. Yeah, yeah. And when's that launching? Um, uh, in, in the next couple of weeks, next few weeks. So Superb. Yeah. Okay, towards the end of 2020. And brilliant. then really, it's about positioning yourself for the, the new normal. Um, and I find that quite exciting in the fact that with age comes some, some sort of experience. And we've lived through multiple crises. Uh, we've lived through recessions. We've lived, you know, through wars. And we always actually do bounce back. So um, exciting times, disruption. I've always wanted, I've always been a big believer in disruption. So I'm excited about what the future holds. Uh, I do think a couple of things need to change. And hopefully on November the 3rd in the United States, we will make one major change. We all have our fingers crossed for that across the ocean. So how about you, Jules? Give us, give us a little plug of your projects that are happening right now based mainly around you know point blank we you if you want to be a student at point blank you can access 100% of your fees through student finance so that makes it possible for a much wider 
a more diverse audience to be able to take our courses. Basically, anyone can, as long as they meet the entry requirements. And that's a new occurrence. So that's very exciting. It's called widening participation, if you want the proper term. Within Point Blank, we've set up a record label recently and we released uh, track Dreams about three months ago, which is a cover of Fleetwood Mac done in a sort of housey, now style and um it's got 300 it's over 300,000 streams at this point which is pretty good and also it's coincided with the TikTok trend for the original of dreams uh, a guy called dogface films himself skateboarding down the freeway drinking cranberry juice singing dreams so of course there's a connection there we jumped on that trend and uh we're getting more life with that and the point of the record label is to get our students' work out there because these are students' tracks that we're releasing and we get other students to remix them. And um, having some tangible success like this is uh, it's definitely a hook for getting more students involved and giving them an avenue into the music business. Brilliant. You've got stuff happening in China too, right? Yeah, just about to mention we're opening China in Hangzhou and we've got other cities also opening those are franchises that um we've teamed up with a big giant chinese corporation they're like an internet company called netease fever and they're our partners over there and they've um they've opened this incredible school in a place called hangzhou which is just outside of shanghai and it it looks a bit like point blank looks in shoreditch in london but they're kind of a lot better, you know, a lot bigger. <laughs> yeah, it looks, it's just enormous, this place. I mean, there's no expense spared on it. So we've got Chinese people learning how to make beats now. And uh, we're just spreading the word of dance music and other types of music. And we're trying to do a thing there where we're marrying traditional Chinese, uh, traditional instruments with electronica. That seems to be the big thing that they're getting into. And then the last one to mention is L.A. You know, if we've got American listeners here, we've got Point Blank Los Angeles open for business, delivering blended learning and uh, doing really well, like delivering to the L.A. community. It's a very exciting prospect. That's growing very fast. Amazing. Thanks both of you so much for getting together today. We'll put all the information that you've talked about in the show notes, but um, just for anybody listening out there, Morris, people will find you, you mentioned at giantstep.net and also your Instagram is... Miles Isaac. Jules, you've got a whole list of ways to connect with Point Blank. Yeah, you... Point Blank Online on YouTube, Point Blank Online, and Twitter, it's point underscore blank. Instagram, Point Blank Music School, and on SoundCloud, point hyphen blank. And I'm not quite ready with the TikTok yet, but that's coming soon. (laughs) Oh, we're very excited to see what happens next. Guys, thank you so much again for joining us today. It's been brilliant. And that is it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Hope everyone stays safe. Yeah, you too. Keep well. All the best. Sounds Like is a podcast brought to you by the horse's mouth. Sound-loving, brand-building, conversation-starting audio evangelists on a mission to help brands build deeper relationships with the people who matter most. 
their teams, fans and customers. Thanks to our amazing audio producer, Alex Kenning, tech and everything in between, Jez Gooden. The show's theme music was written and produced by the magnificent Will Flisk. Advisors to the horse's mouth on all things marketing and content, Elliot Hu and Steve Keeney. And I'm Mike Benson. Thanks for listening. Find us at thehorsesmouth.co or wherever you listen to podcasts. The world's listening. Start the conversation.